This episode of the Lutheran Cartographer is brought to you by the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. If you're looking for a good curriculum, check it out at lutherancartographer.com homeschool. The Lutheran Cartographer, episode 41. Welcome to the Lutheran Cartographer, the podcast where we explore what it's like to be Lutheran in different places. I'm your host, Nicholas Weber. Today we are going to Westminster, Massachusetts to talk to Pastor Peter Gregory of Our Savior Lutheran Church. Pastor Gregory, welcome to the show. Nicholas, thanks so much for having me on. Help orient us geographically. Where exactly are we in Massachusetts in Westminster? Westminster is right in the middle of the state of Massachusetts on the north side. So it's in, in what's called central Massachusetts. We're about 50 miles west of Boston, um, right on the, the Route 2 corridor, which is the northern east-west route. Um, if you were taking the train into Boston, the end of the, the northern line train route stops about three miles east of us. So we really are kind of right on the, the edge of sort of the Boston commute. Not a lot of people from here who commute all the way in, but some who will commute to the 495 or the 95 beltways. Um, if you're going west of us, uh, we're about an hour and a half from the Berkshires, which are the well-known uh, mountain area on the west side of, of Massachusetts. I'm 30 minutes north of Worcester, which is the second largest city in uh, New England. And if you drive north from where I am, um, about 30 minutes, you're into New Hampshire. If you go northwest, about 45 minutes, you'll be into Vermont. So we're kind of on the, um, in the, I guess, in the middle of middle of New England is, is really the, uh, the way I'd think of it, the heart of New England. I see. Now, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Massachusetts. Well, I'm a native of, of Traverse City, Michigan. Um, you've had a, an interview with Pastor Joshua Lefebvre in Leland, Michigan. That's the church that I grew up in. Uh, so that's my, my neck of the woods, and the things that he talked about there are uh, all the things that I'm very familiar with. So spent my, my childhood um, growing up there. My parents still live in that area. I attended college in southern Michigan, in, in Hillsdale, Michigan, and then after college, enrolled at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So the interview that you had with uh, Pastor uh, Matt Wheatfelt uh, also covers uh, a lot of territory that I'm familiar with. Um, I spent uh, five years, uh, basically uh, 15 years, I guess, in, in Fort Wayne, five years of, of seminary, and then I was also pastor in Fort Wayne for uh, six and a half years. So I, yeah, 12, 12 years in Fort Wayne area. Um, and along the way in seminary, I also spent a year of my um, internship in Palo Alto, California, and a year of study in Cambridge, uh, England. And then I've been out here for the last five years. So I, I've, most of my life was spent really in the, the, the heartland of the United States, Michigan, Indiana. Um, but I also have a, a year jaunt on the West Coast, uh, a year in England, and now five years out here in, in New England. Fantastic. Help un our listeners understand what some of the differences might be. How would you contrast the Midwest with New England, either for good or for, for ill? Well, where, where I grew up in the Midwest, I, I feel like there are a lot of uh, similarities. So the topography of the north, northwest lower peninsula of Michigan is very similar to the topography out here. A lot of, lot of hills, uh, a lot of uh, water, um, a lot of sort of nature and, and outdoors sorts of things. Um, the one difference that my wife noticed when we moved out here 
is how little sky there is. Um, where I grew up in Michigan, there are a lot of orchards. And so the skyline is, is fairly low, despite the, the hills and the trees. Out here, it's, it's just trees. So you look up in, at the sky and you can see just a, a very narrow, narrow sliver of it. Um, so that's one thing. We're also, I guess, New England is, is very tucked away, which I hadn't realized until, until we moved out here. Now, the area of Michigan where I grew up kind of has that same sort of feel. Uh, you're, you, you have to drive uh, quite a ways to get anywhere. Um, here, you can be in a lot of different New England states. Within, within four or five hours, you can be in all of the New England states. But you're a long way from the, the rest of the, the United States. Um, so it's a kind of its own sort of unique area in that respect. Um, you know, compared to, say, Fort Wayne, it's very flat. Uh, in Fort Wayne, it's very, very hilly and even mountainous here. Um, uh, you also have access to ocean not particularly far away. Um, so you're, you're in a, a very, I guess, diverse sort of topographical area here in, in New England. Uh, which is something that we've really enjoyed uh, immensely. Um, and I know you'll ask more maybe about, about what it's like to be a Lutheran, but there, there is a, the feature um, you had mentioned when we, we were talking off the air in the Seattle area about how it's a very sort of unchurched uh, area of the United States. New England is the same. I think of the, the top 10 least religious states in the United States. Um, I believe all six New England states make that list. Uh, so it's a, an area where religious practice is, is quite low. Um, it does vary where you are in New England. Uh, so that's a, a very different thing. Uh, from the time I lived in Fort Wayne, where you have um, 20 to 30,000, uh, not only Lutherans, but Lutheran Church Missouri Synod mem members within the city limits, uh, you don't have that many Lutherans in all, LCMS Lutherans in all of, of New England. Um, so it's a very, very different feel as a Lutheran out here. Um, I enjoy the diversity of, of things that we that we have out here in New England, and it's been a, in some ways, a very good place for me and my family to to live. Um, and uh, you know, compared to say the year I spent in California, that was close to the ocean. Uh, here, not far from the ocean, but the um, the weather is is very different than it was in the San Francisco Bay Area. So we do get a a good winter here, not quite as uh, long or as heavy as the winters I had growing up where we had a average of 140 or 150 inches of snow, but we'll get 80 inches of snow a year. And we get some good storms of, of maybe, uh, eight to, to 12, up to 14 inches of snow at a, at a time. Um, we get, uh, I'd say somewhat short summers, but you can get some really nice 80, 80 degree days, uh, uh, a couple of months of, of swimming season for my kids, both in local, uh, lakes and also, uh, visits to the ocean and neighbors' pools. Um, we get all four seasons real richly. Uh, you may know New England as a place where people come for the color tour. Uh, that'll be coming up uh, shortly. We're uh, talking in September and, and uh, October will be the season when the leaves change and people come to, to see the, the beauty of, of uh, God's creation here in New England. Wonderful. Talk a little bit more about the the culture and the people. We, you mentioned that it's more secularized, but beyond the religious aspect, what are some of the differences that you notice in the way that people interact with each other and uh, against the say the Midwest? You know the, the the Northeast has a reputation, I think, for being uh, a bit less friendly and and uh, colder, and in some ways, that's definitely been our experience here. Um, 
where we are in, in New England is, is not it's not as intense in terms of the pace and the schedule as if you're in the the Boston area or the I-95 Beltway east of east of us by you know 40 minutes. Um, I think that area gets to be much more intense. It's it's a bit more laid back here. Um, the community we're in is a, a about 9,000 uh, people, and um, there's a couple of uh, businesses and industries in the area. But you know, it's it's sort of a, a quiet community. And at the same time, it, it has been hard to get to know people in the community. There, there are neighbors um, that we really don't know or don't know well yet. There are some we know we've gotten to know quite well in, in the five years we've been here. Um, the experience in the church has not been that way. The church is very, congregation has been very warm and welcoming. Um, but in terms of just getting to know people, it's it takes time. And we, we find out that, uh, you know, as we've invited people into our home for meals, um, that's not necessarily common out here. It was in, in Indiana where we lived. It was in Michigan where I grew up. Um, there have been people who've been frankly surprised to be invited into our home for a meal and, and don't quite know what to do with that, whether they need to bring the food with them or whether we make the food for them. Um, so you can. You, it seems like homes are, are definitely not a, a place that are open. You, don't, you wouldn't go knock on your neighbor's door and necessarily receive an invitation uh, into their house in the way that walking down the street of our neighborhood in, in Indiana, we would have had. Um, and thinking about uh, some of the other interviews of yours I've listened to, I, I would definitely say that if one's moving to New England, unless you, you really have to for your work, um, move to a particular area. If you're moving to New England, move to a place where you have a church that can be that community for you. Uh, there's, a, a, I'd say, a, quite a high value on education in New England, um, which in, in many ways is good, but the, the education is is very much a secularized education, so not a, a Christian education particularly. Hmm. Um, and uh, and I'd say, especially thinking about maybe the headed toward the Boston area, a lot of uh, emphasis on on tech fields, uh, a lot of scientific uh, sort of study education um, industries as well. Uh, in, in other respects, you, you, the people that we do get to know uh, are, are wonderful people, and we've enjoyed that. It's just you know, not quite as friendly and as open as what I knew in, in Michigan and Indiana and my wife growing up in Iowa knew. Um, and, and I would say it's, it's also older, and there's that, that, there is that sense of, of history here, and not only of history, but of families who've been here for generations and, and generations. Uh, you know, I don't recall growing up talking to people whose families uh, were clearly descended from uh, the, the pilgrims or the Puritans or you know the, the founding of our nation. And out here, that's not particularly uncommon to run, run across somebody who can trace their family ancestry um, back to the early years of, of, uh, of the settling of the, the colonies. Um, so very different in that way. And in that sense, you have, I think you do have uh, people who have been here for a long time and it at, at times, maybe can feel to someone who's new a little bit like you're you're an outsider uh, entering in. Um, again, not an experience that I've had in the congregation. And there are a lot of people who move to New England from all all different places in the United States, especially for work. That makes sense. Now let's turn to talking about what are some of the things that you like best about the area. Yeah, you know the the great. I was thinking about this before uh, we started our conversation, and and I'd say. There may be three categories of things that I put that, that are, are just have been really lovely living here in, in New England and in Westminster. And the first is the, the nature and the outdoors. 
um, the the mountains are near, the oceans are near. Um, there are a lot of hiking trails around. Uh, you know, the town we live in is is nine thousand, not particularly small, and there's a, a major highway, uh, not actually real close to where we live. The first fall that we were here, we saw two moose out in our yard. We've never seen them since, but we saw two moose. Uh, we've had bobcats uh, after our chickens. Um, we've had, uh, you know, we've had foxes. We've had uh, raccoons, uh, wildlife, de deer on occasion, wildlife that we didn't necessarily expect to see here. Um, certainly didn't see uh, when we were living in the city in Fort Wayne. Um, as I said, mountains. We've got a mountain called Mount Wachusett, which is just three miles south of us. Uh, it's half of it is a, a ski resort in the winter, and the other the other half is a state uh, state trails and a state park. Uh, so a lot of wonderful hiking, but also the the outdoor skiing. Um, lots of water around. Everything from uh, fishing to boating to swimming, uh, and then the ocean. Uh, if you want to head head to the ocean. It's only an hour and a half to, to two hours at most to hit the, especially the North Shore beaches, um, Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire, and even into to Southern Maine. Uh, and then there, along with the Mount Wachusett, which is three miles from us, there are lots of mountains to the, the north of us as well, which make for some, some fabulous hiking. So that nature and outdoors experience is something that I have really enjoyed and enjoyed exploring with my, my, my family out here. We've got some trails that we love to hike on a fairly regular basis and watch the changes through the, the different seasons. So, so that's one, one thing. Uh, the second thing is that the history, um, you know, that the age of things is, is at least relatively speaking, not compared to the, the year I spent in England, uh, not, not old, but compared to anything in, in, uh, Northern Michigan, quite old. So the, uh, kind of the well-known restaurant in the area is called the 1761 old mill. Um, it was a, a mill built in 1761. Uh, you only have to go about 40 minutes, 30 minutes east of us to hit Lexington and Concord, the first shots fired uh, in the, the American Revolution. And we've enjoyed exploring those sites, uh, Battle Road, which follows the, the march of the British soldiers from um, Lexington to, to Concord. And then uh, as they were, they were battled back, you've got the, the history of the, the uh, a lot of authors who are from that area. So Louisa May Alcott, uh, her home is in Concord. Uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne was there. Uh, Henry uh, David Thoreau and, and Ralph Waldo Emerson. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of American history uh, in this area. And, and of course, Boston, as I said, 50, 50 miles, an hour and a half drive. Uh, if traffic's really bad, rush hour, maybe two hours. Um, if it's not bad, going to the airport on, on an off-peak uh, time, you can get there in an hour, hour and 10 minutes. Uh, so you've got all of that Boston history as well. Um, you, you know, uh, thinking about uh, the American Revolution, there's also a history museum down in uh, Worcester, about 30 minutes away. And they've got the uh, original um, chest of, uh, I, I believe it's Paul Revere's chest. It's a chest that they were trying to to move out of Lexington as the British were coming in because it held a lot of very confidential papers. So you can see artifacts like that from, uh, from our American founding. And then the, the third thing is the access to culture. Uh, so in Worcester, in Boston, you've got um, a, lot of, a, a lot of music, you've got uh, various arts, you've got the Boston Museum of Fine Art, you've got the Worcester uh, Museum of Art, art. you've got a, a, another Museum of Art not far from us to the north in a town called Fitchburg. 
Um, you've got uh, ballets, uh, theater, um, anything cultural like that that you want, uh, you're going to have, I guess I'd call it reasonable access to, if you don't mind driving, maybe an hour, hour and a half. Same thing with professional sports. Uh, Boston Red Sox, uh, New England Patriots, Boston Celtics, uh, uh, the Boston Bruins hockey team. Not in the near future, the AAA um, baseball team for the Boston Red Sox is going to be moving to the town of Worcester. Uh, so that's something that will be, I'm sure, more affordable and closer for us, uh, just a half an hour drive down in that direction. So if you're looking for those things, um, they're not far. And even New York City itself is only about three and a half to four hours away. So certainly a, a, an easy uh, long weekend trip that one could make down there. I see. Those all sound like wonderful opportunities. Let's talk about the flip side now. What are some of the challenges about being in the area? Well, as I said earlier, uh, it's it can be a little bit cold and hard to get connected. Um, so having a church that is warm and welcoming has been a, a wonderful gift and blessing for us uh, as we've moved here. And it has really helped us feel at home in New England. Um, but it may not... You may not find that easily wherever you wherever you go in this in this area. Um, in terms of weather, there are there are people who have lived up here for years who are ready to get away from the the cold winters uh, and the um, snowy winters. Uh, I certainly don't mind that, and and I do enjoy the the variation of the seasons. Uh, we do have, as I said, outdoor uh, winter sports. You've got got skiing. Um, there's a lot of good hiking, snowshoeing, those sorts of things. Uh, but some people grow a bit weary of, of that. Um, and, uh, you know, there's there's also just the aspect of it being a much more secular area. And, and I say that where we are in central Massachusetts certainly isn't uh, as secularized as uh, the Boston area is and, and the communities east of us. Uh, we're kind of in this this sort of middle territory. Sometimes I refer to where we are as being sort of the the edge between uh, the cultured east of Massachusetts and the hill country of uh, of western Massachusetts. Um, but nevertheless, there there's uh, a very, I'd say, strong sense of of the secularization um, being much further advanced advanced here than it is, say, in in Indiana or in Michigan. Um, if you think of Europe as being highly secularized, I guess I'd say New England uh, is the sort of midpoint between where Europe is and where the heartland of the United States is. Hmm. Um, and that and that can be that can make it uh, challenging to live here. Um, in some ways, it was one of the things that that drew me here when I received the call to the congregation. I was serving a church in Fort Wayne that we loved and loved the community there. Uh, and one gal, when I had the call, she said, uh, she referred to the, the words in uh, Acts 16, when Paul was called over to, to Macedonia, and uh, the, the Holy Spirit was calling him to come to Macedonia and help. And she said, you know, come to, come to Macedonia. Um, so a sort of maybe outside the heartland of, of the United States, outside the heartland of, of Christianity and of, of Lutheranism, um, but a place that very much needs the gospel. And that can be challenging. Uh, but there's also a lot, a lot of a lot of need for the proclamation of Christ and uh, the forgiveness of sins, and all the riches that that we have in God's Word and in the sacraments. Um, so that's a a challenge, but it's also an opportunity, and it's an opportunity that I chose to to lean into and wanted to be part of, and also wanted to be a part of encouraging and supporting those who are attempting to live as Christians here. 
And I, I would say with that, that in my mind, in, in my experience, it seems that there is less maybe cultural Christianity here than there was in the Midwest. So in, in Fort Wayne, it's probably a bit of a caricature, but it felt like every person you would meet had a church that was theirs. Didn't mean that they'd been, didn't mean that they that they really knew anything about it, but uh, at least a, a family church they identified as their own and felt connected to. That's not the case here in New England. Uh, in New England, I would say that, that uh, you know, some people have a church and a, a church home, but you, you have far fewer people who would identify themselves with a church because of their heritage. Um, the people who are coming to church are and, and identifying as Christians are doing so in a very intentional sort of way. Um, and uh, there's a need for that encouragement of one another because you don't have necessarily that Christian community when you walk outside of the church, when you head into your workplace or you head uh, to other things uh, in your life, uh, you may not be interacting with very many Christians. Okay. So is there more t- that you'd like to say about what it's like to be Lutheran there as well? Or is this kind of a good summary of what it is in terms of this secularized area, but also this, um, as you've mentioned many times, the warm welcoming of your congregation, that this is a very intentional community that is there because they are committed to, to Christ and his gifts? Yeah, I think there's uh, just a, a little bit more that I could say about what it's like to be to be Lutheran here. Um, Lutheranism is is not as native to the New England soil as it is to other places. So, you know, at least in, in what I've seen, you didn't have you know, major immigrant groups of Germans uh, or of others who settled widely throughout New England. But there are pockets. And actually, where, where I am here is a, a small pocket. Um, this is a, a uh, has a, a very large percentage of, of uh, Finnish, dis- people of Finnish descent from Finland. Mm. Um, and so even the congregation here was founded by a lot of, a lot of Finns. You get uh, Finnish names, uh, last names, Samueli and, and Heikola and Maki. Um, and so there is a, a bit of a, a Lutheran heritage here in, in this part of Massachusetts and, and spreading on up into southern New Hampshire as well, um, which is a, a sort of unique unique aspect of this area. So it's not entirely devoid of, of Lutheran background, um, but it's in, in particular pockets and areas. In terms of the religious landscape, New England, I would say, is, is mostly Roman Catholic and also um, congregational or Unitarian. So the story about most small New England towns is there was a congregational church. And then when uh, Unitarianism started growing, um, a group of people would break off from the congregational church and usually found a Unitarian church across the street. Um, that, that's the case here in Westminster, although I don't believe the Unitarian church is actually a, an active congregation, but it's right across the street from the congregational church. Um, you know, as, as far as Lutherans go, um, there aren't a lot of us, uh, but there are enough of us that we can encourage and support one another. So in comparison, perhaps, and, and it's because of the the way in which the area is populated, in comparison to maybe parts of the southwest of the United States, where you might have to drive hours and hours to find your, your nearest uh, LCMS uh, congregation, where I am there are congregations within uh, a couple of congregations within 20 or 30 minutes. If you expand the net out to an hour, you know, there are maybe um, eight to 10 congregations that I could get to fairly easily within an, an hour's drive. Um, so you can have some fellowship uh, with, with other Lutherans and that's uh, an encouraging thing. 
Um, and there are other faithful Christians as well. I, I um, haven't mentioned this yet, but we have a, a fabulous Christian school. It's about 45 minutes from here. It's called the Imago School, and it's in Maynard, Massachusetts, but a wonderful and faithful um, school community there, uh, which is certainly something that if, if someone was moving here with a family and looking for a school, I'd say if you moved about 15 minutes east of us, you'd have easy access both to our, our congregation and uh, fairly easy access to that that school as well. It's a, a K-8 through school. Great. Let's talk more about what it's like to raise a family there. So there are the great, the great blessings and joys of the things that I mentioned earlier, um, the nature, uh, the history, uh, the cultural opportunities here. Um, that makes it really, really fabulous. Uh, in terms of the schools, the educational opportunities are really good, but the influence of the, of the secularism, and, and in our community, I don't know that, that would even come directly necessarily from the teachers, but it's simply the ethos that, that most people are living in, and certainly the, the peer pressure would be a challenging thing. Um, and so for that reason, we've chosen to, to homeschool our children. Wonderful. Uh, there are homeschoolers around New England uh, and around our area. Um, what I've been surprised by is that there's not the sort of active homeschool group that I had. I, I was homeschooled growing up, and we had in the Traverse City area of Michigan a very um, vibrant and active homeschool group. And it may be a little bit different now. We had uh, basketball teams. We had things that we would do uh, together. Not a lot of teaching that happened as a, as a group, but a lot of sort of extracurricular things. And the homeschoolers that we've met out here seem maybe much more in my mind, from what I grew up with, a bit more sort of isolated. You get pockets of people who are working together, but you don't have a, a sort of wider network. And I know there are uh, conventions and things like that where you can do a lot of networking. Um, so we've we've chosen this year and, and last year to be part of a um, homeschool co-op that meets uh, once a week, one morning a week. And it's a, about a 45-minute drive uh, for, or maybe 30 to 40-minute drive for my wife and kids to get there. Uh, it's a, a classical co-op, and uh, interestingly enough, a lot of Russian Orthodox families that are, are part of this particular group. Um, so it's nice to have uh, those people with whom we share a lot of things in common, um, but you don't necessarily have them next door to you. And that, that can make it a bit challenging. It's uh, to, to have friendships that you share deeply with shared Christian beliefs, shared view of, of family, shared view of education. Uh, it takes some some hunting and pecking and searching around to find uh, find those like minds. Um, it makes it wonderful when you do, uh, but it's not uh, not particularly easy to to find. Um, so that's I'd say that's one of the the biggest challenges. And and along with that then comes uh, where do you find find friends for your children who share uh, that similar worldview? Um, within the church, we definitely have that, and within the community. There are some, um, but it's not easy. And, and longer term, my kids are, are from 10 down to six months. We, we think about um, who are our kids going to marry someday. Uh, in some ways, it'd be a lot easier for them to find uh, a spouse who shares uh, their same understanding of life and of, of uh, the Christian faith living in some place like St. Louis or Fort Wayne or in the, the heartland where a lot of uh, LCMS Lutherans are living but we, we pray for them, and we trust that God will, will provide uh, at the right time and the right, the right people. Absolutely. Let's take a moment for a word from our sponsor. 
At this time, a lot of parents and grandparents are considering keeping their children at home when the government schools open back up in the fall, and I would encourage you to do the same. If you're looking for a curriculum, I would recommend checking out the Ron Paul Homeschool Curriculum. This will teach your children well how to live in the left-hand kingdom with classes in business, natural sciences, as well as college prep, in addition to all the usual subjects that you would expect from any curriculum, such as mathematics and history. Best thing about this curriculum is that it is self-directed after the third grade, so you don't have to pull your hair out trying to stay a step ahead of your children in the curriculum. If you're interested, I'd recommend checking it out at lutheranecartographer.com slash homeschool. That's lutheranecartographer.com slash homeschool. Let's get back to our guest. Now let's turn to the things that you would recommend seeing or doing in the area. You've mentioned the the wonderful nature, the history, the culture. What are some things that if you had to highlight maybe just one or two of each of those things and maybe one or two restaurants, what would you say, ah, you got to go check this out? Okay. So in terms of the, the nature things, uh, as I said, really close to us is, is Mount Wachusett. And you've got the um, ski, uh, ski hill in the winter, and then you've also got uh, the, the hiking trails in spring, summer, and fall. Um, uh, if you want to go a little farther north, there's Mount Monadnock, which is a, a peak of um, just over 3,000 feet in New Hampshire, about a 40-minute drive. Uh, it's a well-known mountain, uh, very hiked, can be a, a bit challenging. Uh, it's featured in the writings of, of Emerson and of Thoreau, so a really notable uh, landmark in the, the area out here. For the history, uh, our favorite place is to go to Lexington and Concord and explore um, where the American Revolution began. It's it's close enough to not be a, a, a huge, huge uh, drive for us, about 30 to 40 minutes. And there's just a lot to see and a lot to experience. And even just to hike the trail that the, the British soldiers marched on and then were chased back by the um, by the, the colonial uh, militia. Uh, so that's that's something uh, that I would definitely recommend, and, and we take people to any time they're, they're out here. Um, as far as restaurants go, I mentioned the Old Mill. It's kind of the, I guess, the, the famous one in the area. Um, people who don't know much about the area will know uh, about the Old Mill. Uh, they've got homemade pecan rolls, corn fritters, and pan rolls that are, are you get a nice big bowl of them when you sit down, and those are uh, kind of something they're, they're well known for. Uh, and that's about five minutes just up the road from, from the church here. Also in the area is the Wachusett Brewery. Um, that's uh, kind of our, our town's local brewery. Uh, that's maybe uh, five to eight minutes away. They've got a, a huge menu uh, now, and they've got uh, their, their beers on tap. Uh, one of the, the beers that uh, uh, I enjoy just for the, the name of it is the uh, Green Monster, which is a reference to the wall in the baseball stadium uh, for the, the Boston Red Sox. And I don't know if it was a, a great marketing ploy that they named it, that and and then we're able to get get into uh, the market at uh, Fenway Park, or exactly how that worked. But uh, you know some some local color with that. Uh, and then I have to recommend an ice cream place as well. Now there are a lot of wonderful ice cream places around. Uh, my family fell in love with a place called Rhoda Spring Farm, uh, which is about a half an hour away. Uh, they've got their own ice cream. They've got uh, you sit out back. You, you order your ice cream. You sit out back. Uh, you watch the goats, the kids feed the goats, you've got the cows off in the, the pasture. 
Um, and they've also got a lot of unique ice cream flavors. So they'll, they'll have a, a lavender-flavored ice cream uh, seasonally. Um, they've got an, an Indian pudding one that has uh, a ginger flavor. I believe it's ginger flavor, and I'm not great with flavors. Uh, and just some, some real unique flavors uh, that, that one can enjoy trying at, at different times of the year. Um, so we love getting down there maybe every, every couple of weeks. And we can spend a couple of hours down there. I'm probably uh, enjoy that particularly because the first time we went, uh, the kids so enjoyed the goats that I basically got to eat everyone's ice cream. Um, <laughs> doesn't happen as much anymore, which is good for them and good for me. But uh, uh, we, we fell in love with that ice cream place. Uh, but there are lots of others to explore as well. You've, you've got kind of in the way that you've got breweries around, you've got uh, ice cream, like micro creameries around, I guess you might say. Huh. Uh, so a lot of options for, for ice cream. Good deal. All right. So I want to take just a moment to ask an unusual question about uh, secularism in New England. Uh, historically, it, as most of our listeners are probably aware, it, it started out as um, the Puritans were in that area. But then as the years went on, it definitely became this very secularized place. Where would you point to that? Would that be the advent of Unitarianism and then people falling away from that? Or the early 20th century progressive era where that kind of religious piety kind of formed into more of a civic um, kind of state religion piety? Where where would you point to the kind of the causes for New, Eng New England's present secularism? I would think the the Unitarianism, so coming out of the the Enlightenment and the sort of deistic notions of of God, um, you've got a a really st strong, I guess, emphasis on on that, you know, in 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 New England. And I'd say that was probably the the really heart of it was uh, in the uh, in the eighteen hundreds. Um, you've got the transcendental movement. I've mentioned uh, Thoreau and Emerson. Um, that was only about a half an hour east of us. And uh, so that that's kind of where I would I would I guess look historically for the the rise of, of secularism and the, the seeds that were sown here in New England that are still um, still bearing their their fruit or lack of fruit you might say mm, yeah that makes sense so let as we start to close out the podcast I want to make sure to give you the opportunity to send our listeners to anywhere you'd like whether it's your church's website places to follow you online. Where would you like to point our listeners? Yeah, our church website would be the place to go, OurSaviorLCMS.com, O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-R-L-C-M-S.com. We do have a, a Facebook page, um, and typically we'll post a link to our uh, record, audio recording of, of the full service or of the sermon on there. Um, but our, our church website would be the place to, to learn more about us. Um, one of the fabulous things about this congregation is a, a tradition that we have every December of doing a living nativity. Um, now, you may think of a living nativity as a, a uh, sort of display in which you can see people dressed as Joseph and Mary, and uh, you've got the shepherds and the wise men and angels and others. Um, our living nativity is, is a little bit different than that. It's actually meant to be a to recreate the feel of what a first century Bethlehem might have been like. So we've got a, a marketplace. We have maybe about 10 structures that we put up and build in our church parking lot. Um, 60 to 70 members of the congregation are dressed in, in costume 
and our our characters that populate this uh, this first century Bethlehem, speaking uh, lines that they've learned in uh, depending on what what their role is, uh, Latin if they're a, a Roman soldier, uh, Hebrew if they're uh, one of the common people, uh, or Greek for the the wise men who are kind of tucked off to a corner. And it's a, a very sort of chaotic experience uh, because you're not guided through particularly. We have a couple of members who will read a few scripture passages, um, but you're, you're walking through and, and tucked in the back is the, the stable. So you don't, you don't have a spotlight shining on Joseph and Mary and Jesus. It's a little bit like, I guess, the way we envision what it would have been like in the first century. A baby's born, but you don't you don't necessarily have a sign over his head that's attracting everyone's attention saying, here's the, here's the savior. Uh, and so we've got this sort of marketplace happening. We've got animals that are, you know, being walked around, uh, throughout the, the marketplace, sheep and lots of fires going on, people baking bread and weaving baskets and trying to sell, sell you perfume and everyone remains in character. Uh, and we do this for two nights. It's usually the first weekend of December, um, Saturday and Sunday evenings for two hours. Uh, it's a tremendous production on the part of the congregation. And I would say uh, if the weather is decent over the course of the two nights. We probably have about 1,500 people who come, um, come through. Uh, I don't know that we're going to be able to do it this year because of coronavirus. Uh, but if not this year, then we will definitely be, be picking up with that next year. Um, so that's something that, that I'd like to say is a can be a wonderful draw on a particular weekend to New England if someone wants to, to come out and, and visit and uh, see the area you can also experience our living nativity fantastic would you take just a you mentioned it just now and I realized I hadn't asked about it would you take just a moment to tell us what the current situation is in Massachusetts with the coronavirus in terms of the government response and the lockdowns uh, I would say that Massachusetts is is pretty locked down and, and has been. Um, as far as church goes, it's not always entirely clear what the guidelines are, uh, which guidelines are in effect. Um, we have been meeting uh, for in-person services since, uh, I think it was the, since May 24th, I believe. And instead of doing, as we had before, one service on Sunday morning, uh, where we typically had an attendance of about, about 130, we're doing three services on Sundays uh, we are singing. We're singing three hymns. We're singing the the full liturgy. Um, you wear masks coming in, but you don't have to keep them keep them on if you choose not to during the service. But you do have to be socially distanced. Uh, but it, it it's there's a sense right now, I guess, of not being sure exactly where it's going. Our, our numbers that are reported seem to be the kind of the best case uh, since numbers started being re- reported in in mid March. Um, but things don't seem to be loosening up uh, very much. Uh, mm-hmm. The numbers for gatherings are still quite low. I think outdoor gatherings are meant to be kept to to 50 indoors, maybe 25. Um, again, churches aren't under that particular order, but that only applies to church services. So things like um, Bible studies or fellowship gatherings uh, aren't aren't happening or aren't able to happen right now in, in quite the way that, that we've been accustomed to and would like. So we're blessed to be able to hear the word and receive the sacrament. Um, uh, but we definitely, I think, feel that uh, lack of, of, of church fellowship. I, I realize, because I'm the pastor, I see everyone who comes to all three services on Sunday and forget that the people who've been coming to the Sunday evening service 
haven't seen the people coming to the 11 a.m. service in in months. Um, mm-hmm. That and and uh, this this is a, a real challenge for us right now. Um, so it's I, the people of Massachusetts have been cautious, and I think have have responded in in ways that have have tried to help mitigate the the spread of the coronavirus. Um, but there definitely seem to be restrictions that remain in place uh, with no longer a clear understanding for a lot of people of, of why or why we're not opening up a, a bit more. Um, there is dining in in restaurants now, again, uh, socially distanced. Uh, there was a lot of, for a while, it was only outdoors. Um, but, but, you know, as an example, our local li- library has, uh, I believe they're still not open for people to come inside. So you can uh, get check out books and they'll drop them off on the, the curb at a particular time and you pick them up. Um, the library books, when they were being taken into the library, were sitting in, in quarantine for two weeks before they would even check them back in. So that's just one, one small, you know, small example. I don't know that every library is doing that, um, but, you know, sort of a, an excess of, of caution in ways uh, that sometimes leaves you scratching your head a little bit and uh, wondering if we can even go back to something that's a little bit, a little bit closer to what life was like before. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your time today. What are your parting thoughts for our listeners, Pastor Gregory? Well, this being the the end of the week uh, when uh, the Feast of the Holy Cross falls, um, I've been thinking about about the cross, uh, lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim. Uh, It's desperately needed here in, in New England. And uh, not only from from the pastors and the churches, but from all the Christians. Uh, and I'd ask people to pray for us uh, that we would be faithful in in uh, proclaiming our Lord and holding fast to Him in this in this day and this place, uh, and encourage uh, everyone who listens to do the same uh, where they are. Amen. Thank you again. God's peace. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Lutheran Cartographer. For more about the things that we talked about today, check out the show notes page at lutherancartographer.com slash 41. Now that we're later into the fall, and if you are homeschooling and your curriculum just isn't working out for you, I encourage you to check out that homeschool curriculum I mentioned earlier. That's at lutheranCartographer.com slash homeschool. Be sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Got some exciting things coming up for you soon. You can do that on iTunes or on Stitcher. And while you're there, please leave a rating or a review so that more folks will see the podcast. Until next time, I'm Nicholas Weber. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon.